Well, it'll just be you, me, and Nick. Spencer, you always get all the answers. I'm kind of a big deal. So let me hear the music, Colin. Take it away. It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Spencer Dupuy, Nick Verzellini, and Colin McLaughlin. We welcome you into today's edition of the Sports Mix. Nick Verzellini alongside me, Colin McLaughlin, and Gerald Wright. No Spencer uh, this afternoon as he is sick right now, so he'll be out for the foreseeable future but uh should be a good show here today we got some high school basketball to talk about uh shepherd and wvu hoops along with of course the super bowl other nfl news and the capitals and the wizards but uh colin how was your weekend how was the super bowl for you it was fun got to uh spend some time with some friends uh had some great food celebrated a friend's birthday as well yesterday so great game and uh enjoyed it and chiefs won as we all predicted except for gerald he's the one uh, that took the eagles winning but nonetheless uh, even though it was kind of a uh ending that i don't think anybody really wanted we wanted a more intense ending not a holding followed by a few plays that were just there to wind down the clock and then a game winning field goal with eight seconds to go but still a great game yeah definitely was um a good game between those two teams we'll talk about that later on in the show as we uh, get into this first segment yeah this first segment brought to you by brown funeral home and cremations robert fields and sons a family-owned full-service funeral home that has proudly served our area since 1880 gerald were you about to say something over? i think gerald was offended because i didn't ask him about how his viewing of the super bowl experience was which Uh i i do apologize for that gerald but uh how was your viewing experience for the Super Bowl and overall your weekend just in general? Well, my weekend went pretty bad because of the Super Bowl. I wasn't happy. Um, the Eagles, actually, they had a pretty decent game. So I thought they were going to come out with the dub, but the Chiefs are the Chiefs. So Yeah, again, like I said, weekend. we'll talk more about the Super Bowl later in the program. I'm sorry that you had a rough weekend, Gerald, but hopefully this week is better for you. Yeah. Um, in terms of... High school basketball and local sports just in general over the uh, weekend. We had some games on Friday, some good boys basketball on a Friday night, Colin. What we've gotten used to, really, is the uh, Hedgesville Eagles beat the Bulldogs on Friday of Martinsburg, 49-41. to And uh, that was a weird game. It felt like Hedgesville was in control throughout, but then all of a sudden Martinsburg kind of made it close and uh, got back into the game a little bit. And ended up only falling by eight. But Hedgesville still gets the win in what was a very sloppy third quarter as well between the two teams. Yeah, both teams in that second half just really came out flat. And you didn't expect that. You you thought, especially for Hedgesville, they were going to come out with some momentum knowing what they were able to do against Martinsburg. But Martinsburg still Martinsburg. They played from behind tried to come back but when you do that and as i said on our pregame show with that game on friday you can't play from behind and expect to beat hedgesville and that's why they lost by eight even though it was an off night for both teams i mean when only four guys in total score on the evening for martinsburg and i believe only what five maybe six for 
Hedgesville, and it was mainly two guys, Wilkes on the Hedgesville side, and then Shipley on Martinsburg. It's just a strange night that you don't really look at, and I feel like either way, no matter what team you are, are happy about. Yeah, looking back on the game, you know Cam Wilkes, as you mentioned, he scored 20 points for Hedgesville. Uh, Chase Shipley had 27, uh, and you saw 11 from Stephon Barclay for the Eagles. So you only had three guys in double figures throughout the course of the game. And uh, you know the first half was relatively high scoring at 28-20 at the end of one, or at, at the end of the first half. But then that third quarter is just where those two teams just couldn't get anything going. The first like four minutes or six minutes of the I'm sorry, five, four minutes of the uh, third quarter is only um, like what six nothing Martinsburg in the quarter or something. Yeah, like I think that. they started they on, on a little five zero run and then uh, Hedgesville ended it with an eleven zero run and that's it. So sixteen total points in the third quarter. So yeah, so it just wasn't you know the best game there for Hedgesville or Martinsburg, but for the Eagles and and Coach Church, he talked about it uh, in the post game. You know, for them, while they obviously wanted to probably play a little bit better, he's never unhappy with his team getting a win, especially against Martinsburg on the road in a tough environment. Let's move on to some other good games uh, from Friday night. Musselman continues to play spoiler down the stretch, gets the overtime upset win over the Spring Mills Cardinals, 47-45. to And Colin, like we kind of predicted based on how they played against Hedgesville, Musselman is here they are in the mix, and they're a team to look out for. And I think right now they're the team that I would fear the most out of the group of Martinsburg, Musselman, and uh, Washington for sure. Yeah, I mean, they're 8-8 eight and eight now, a team that is on a four-game win streak, three of them coming in conference play, and they're the hottest team, I feel like, in the Eastern Panhandle right now. They've now been able on Friday, two weeks ago now, to knock off Hedgesville. This past Friday, they knock off Spring Mills, two teams in Section 1 that we have been talking about all season long as being teams, and even I said those were the two teams that I'd say were going to states. But now Musselman is putting themselves back into the mix, even though it was a low-scoring game. They are able to win at home. Musselman at home, even though they're 8-8 eight eight overall, 5-2 and two at home. They know how to do it, and those two losses aren't the conference opponents. So for some reason, that environment is just something that teams are not able in the Eastern Panhandle to really get accustomed to and find ways to win and Musselman is a team that we cannot take lightly anymore and I would not be surprised if they continue to stay hot I mean I'm really looking forward to getting to see them three times this week yeah for sure and you mentioned that home record and that one home loss was to Sharando a game they probably should have won so really the only bad loss at home was Greenbrier East where they got blown out uh, to start the season but since then you know Musselman's been at least very competitive at home it's a tough environment it's tough to play there in Inwood uh, their fans are very passionate it's a very tight community and it's a tight gym we've talked about that before so I think all that can play a factor but getting Troy Wollston back having another guy with varsity experience adds to this Muslim team I'm looking forward to see what has developed because really when they beat Martinsburg that was the win that started putting them in the right direction 
Then they got Wollston back not that too far, not too uh, soon later. Um, so you add him into the mix, and, and this Musselman team is right there. Um, and they're in the mix, and they're a team that I wouldn't want to play, like I said, uh, in a sectional or regional championship game because, I mean, they've proven now to play spoiler. We'll see what they are able to do this week. And the big game, I think, that will tell us more about them will be, obviously, tonight's a huge game against Martinsburg. But if they can beat Jefferson, then they're, I mean, they're the hottest team in the EPAC right now already. But if you beat Martinsburg and you beat Jefferson in the same week, based on how you're playing, you're entering as almost a favorite in the tournament, which is it's crazy to think based on how they started uh, the season. Speaking of those Jefferson Cougars, a 90-52 win over Washington, what we expected from this Jefferson team. And it's really started, uh, I guess, over the last week, kind of change our perception of EPAC basketball as of late because it does seem like the teams are good when they're playing against each other. And Jefferson's been able to dominate against these top teams around here, but just haven't been able to do it outside the EPAC. And right now, I don't know if either of us have a ton of confidence that they will be able to do that based on how they played last week in Charleston or in South Charleston. Uh, But it's good to see the Cougars come back and get a win and do what they've been expected to do. But how do they take that next step is really going to be the key for Coach Lewis and his team here moving forward. I mean, they're still clearly the team to beat in the eastern panhandle and that's why i briefly mentioned earlier that friday night is going to be a great game to witness and i know we still have plenty of games before that in a filled week for us but that friday game where it's jefferson at musselman something has to break is jefferson still the best team in the epac or will musselman continue to dominate at home and pull off these crazy upsets that nobody have has expected on Friday nights against the top teams in the EPAC. I mean, they're just going down their list saying, Hedgesville, done. Spring Mills, done. Next on the list is Jefferson, if they're able to do it. But Jefferson, another tough week for them this week. And we know the last time they played Spring Mills, as soon as they played Tuesday, they dominated. But that also was at Jefferson. Yes, it's still in the EPAC, but it's a game that they have to travel to, the farthest opponent they have to travel to in the conference as well. So will that play any troubles for Jefferson? I I, I don't think so. I like the way that they've been playing compared to Spring Mills, who it's tough to really find anything right now in Spring Mills because we know they've lost Keyshawn Cheek, arguably the best player on the team, and then for Hedgesville, we mentioned it during the game, but that was the first time we learned of it. They are now without Elijah King on the team for the rest of the season, too. So you're really looking to Jefferson as the top team, and I think because of those two reasons with and Hedgesville, it wouldn't surprise me if Musselman now becomes that second team. Yeah, because as you mentioned there, Spring Mills and Hedgesville have lost guys, and Musselman got a guy get back in Woolston which is a huge boost to their team. So I'm with you right now. I mean, Musselman looks like they could be a team. But before we get into sectionals and regionals and all that stuff, and of course Friday night, like you talked about with Jefferson taking on uh, Musselman, Musselman's got to get a win tonight against a Martinsburg team that has to be hungry for a win and has to uh, 
and just needs this one because if you're going to have any confidence that you can do any damage in sectionals, you got to knock off one of these other four teams that are ahead of you right now. And uh, for Martinsburg, they really haven't been able to do that. So what are some things that you think the Bulldogs could do better, Colin? And what are you looking forward to, I guess, just overall about this matchup? Well, I said after Friday's game that they really need to have a come-to-Jesus moment with this team, right? Get together, figure something out, because there's been no answers, it seems like, for this Martinsburg team at all this season. We we mentioned down the stretch, it seems like they don't have a group of core five guys that you want for this team to be in and stay in games. It was a six-point game with, I believe, 2.30 to go against Hedgesville, and I look out on the floor, and I see two guys that predominantly play JV yeah. on the floor for Martinsburg, and that, I feel like, is just something that you rarely have seen for this team because whether it's either foul trouble or just guys that aren't hot that night to really rely on, but yet even if that's the case, you got to rely on those guys, right? Even if a guy's struggling like we saw with three guys out of the starting five for Martinsburg, that being Clark, Whitby, and Baker, all scoreless, they're still the guys that you trust. They're still your starters. And even if they're struggling, you know what they're capable of. So even if they struggle again today, I still want to see them late in those final two and a half minutes to give them the chance to get hot if you want Martinsburg to be able to compete down the stretch against Musselman, but it's been the same routine over and over. Martinsburg plays from behind, tries to come back, and can't. And I, I feel like that's going to be the same tonight. I think Musselman draws first blood as a probably seven-point lead at the half. Martinsburg cuts it to within a possession maybe at the third quarter, but then falls apart in the fourth and loses. Yeah, it does seem to really be going that way. For Martinsburg, they just haven't really figured out their rotation, which is you know, something you don't expect to see at this point in the season. But let's continue to talk about some other games here tonight. Uh, the other boys game, Bradford Wing Christian Academy travels to Hedgesville. And on paper, Colin, that's not a big game, but we do know that there'll be a surprise tonight. I'm just going to say that because we can't really announce what's going on. So if you're headed to the Hedgesville game, you know, you may not be super excited about the matchup, but it should be a fun night there at Hedgesville. And then on the girls' side, Martinsburg defeated frankfurt on saturday 43 39 uh so they're still in the mix and then tonight we have of course section two which we never know what's going to happen and washington plays musselman at musselman and uh spring mills travels to jefferson from a cross-sectional matchup perspective so some interesting girls games and a good result there with the epac win for martinsburg over frankfurt the other day yeah it's uh Good win for them against a team that does well at, um, I believe, still the AA level, if I'm correct, for Frankfurt, but still able to rebound after a uh, pretty solid week, I believe. Martinsburg uh, finished the week 2-1 and one on the girls' side, so you can be happy with that, even though the one was a tough loss to Washington after a uh, pretty solid game over earlier in the week for Martinsburg but as you said wide open in section two so really got to keep an eye on Washington and Musselman girls tonight even though uh, Washington was able to beat Martinsburg then they go and fall to 
Jefferson, and we've seen how all these three teams between Washington, Musselman, and Jefferson girls beat up on each other in Section 2, which is still wide open, and I even feel like going into the postseason will be wide open, and it's just going to depend on that particular night on who's the better team. Yeah, so let's go ahead and uh, take our first break here on uh, the Sports Mix as... um on the other side of this break, we'll talk Shepherd Hoops. The Rams split against Bloomsburg on over the weekend in WVU at a tough outing, to say the least, against Texas. That's coming up next on the other side of this break. the excitement of high school basketball on talk radio wrnr and tv 10 featuring the eastern panhandle athletic conference barclay's got the steal all by himself he'll go up for the two-handed slam dunk all six epac schools regular season and postseason live here now for the clark from three and that's for the clay clark nails it to start the fourth quarter for muscleman slick now driving oh, the right God. side and it is rejected Your home for local sports is right here on Talk Radio, WRNR, and TV 10. You're tuned in to the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio, WRNR, 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. We welcome you back to today's edition of the Sports Mix. Nick Verzellini alongside me, Kyle McLaughlin. And Gerald Wright, our intern, Spencer, out this week with an illness. But, uh, Colin, you and I will we'll run the show this week and, uh, you know, continue to talk and continue to keep the people in the Eastern Panhandle updated on all things sports. Yeah, and Spencer's still tuning in, so hello, Spencer, as this segment brought to you by Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car buying experience. Buy your next vehicle online, though, to deliver it to you. If you don't like it, they'll take it back. Go to HagerstownFord.com, and he's making sure that we get those in, Nick. Yep, Spencer, always on top of it with the sponsors, which is what we like to see. Exactly. It's tough without them. It truly yeah. is. We, that's why we need them to get better. Exactly. We get healthy. But... um we had some basketball over the weekend. Colin Shepard getting a big win over Bloomsburg in men's basketball, as expected. And the women's team was pretty competitive. So that's good to see as well as the Shepard women uh, were in the game but fell. And the men, obviously, were able to win big, which is what we expected against a one-win Bloomsburg team. Yeah, over on the women's side, a nine-point loss. So even though it's a loss, at at least they were there. And we've kind of seen that here and there throughout the uh, season for this team, even though we did finally get to see the first win of the year uh, last week when we added on Wednesday. But 19 points from Megan Shipley, 12 points from Sydney Bowles, and then 11 from Kendall Haggerty is something to still obviously be – happy with I feel like in the fact that you're scoring in the 70s is something to continue to build off of they shot 46.4 percent from the floor uh, 42.1 from beyond the arc so not bad actually no excuse me that was Bloomsburg so Bloomsburg not bad and that's why they won for Shepard it was 40.6 from the floor so that's fine but then when it came to three pointers it was actually a uh tough day 316 so 18.8 percent which is something that we did not see Wednesday in which why they got the win 
Yeah, looking at the uh, PSAC standings as the Shepherd men were able to win at 65 to 37 over Bloomsburg, but wanted to check the standings to see if Shepherd could potentially move up. And all five teams ahead of the Rams are currently locked into the tournament. Shepard's actually playing for the only spot left in the tournament, which is the sixth seed in the PSAC East, uh, as they have a slight lead, four-game lead in the win column on Kutztown. Uh, but you know, really it's a, what, three-and-a-half game lead, I guess? Doing some math there. Or no, so, I'm sorry, four-game lead still either way on the uh, – Cuts down Golden Bears, and then on the west side, everything's locked up because really between Slippery Rock and then the next team, Edinburgh is 3-15 and 15 in the conference, so that's a six-game lead there. So in terms of Shepard potentially making up some ground and getting a better seed, they still trail Lockhaven by one-and-a-half games, but as we know, Lockhaven, or I'm sorry, two-and-a-half games, but as we know, Lockhaven holds a... Uh, the, the two wins over Shepard. So, you know, that, that that was a big game, the the one that they lost that we felt like they should have won, and we knew it could hurt them later in the year. Uh, but for the game on Saturday against Bloomsburg, 65-37 win. For the Rams, go over some scoring real quick here. Aiden Hewley leads the way with 18 points. Preston with 11. Poffenberger with 11. 10 from Philip Jordan. Uh, McLean Corley did play, but he shot 0 for 5. Six assists, though, in the game. Uh, so it's good to get him back, but not quite to his full level uh, yet. But the good thing is they have him. They'll have him for the PSAC tournament, hopefully, unless he would have re-aggravated the injury. Uh, but I don't believe he did. Um, so, you know, it's good news for Shepard is that they have the best scorer back. And now I think these other guys are learning to play without McLean Corley, which has given them some confidence. And uh, we could see Shepard now take a better step or a step farther in the right direction with the uh, the way those guys have played in, in relief of uh, McLean Corley scoring being absent. Yeah, even without McLean Corley, Corley excuse me, when we saw him on uh, Wednesday, it was a dominating win against Mansfield, and then he comes back even though he struggled. You kind of expect that when he's coming off the injury and you're still almost able to get a 30-point win over Bloomsburg, so let him continue to kind of just limit him because obviously you still like your chances of getting to the postseason you got four games left the only way you're really out of it is if Cutstown wins out and Shepard loses out which hopefully that doesn't happen especially because if you drop the next three games that final game is against Cutstown and if they were able to get hot that's for the playoff spot but this team's playing pretty solid basketball right now, even though it has been a very up-and-down season for them. Hopefully they can finally make this final push be the dark horse that we expected them to be a few weeks ago coming into this point in time in the season. We wanted them, obviously, to be better than the sixth seed, and they still have a chance to do so. But ultimately, I feel like they're probably going to just stay at that sixth seed, and even from there, we've seen them knock off. The top team in the east but it was at home well now east strasburg's actually moved to second in the east shippensburg's taking the lead slightly over them uh but you mentioned it colin it's gonna be a tough week you know you got three of the top four teams in the psac east that you'll have to play in east strasburg uh shippensburg 
and Westchester. Westchester's at home uh, earlier this week, or two of those are at home, actually, before you finish with, um, of course, um, cuts down. Cuts down, as we said. So you could very well lose those three games and have to play four your spot against the Golden Bears, but the chances but of the Golden Bears win winning those four games and you losing out here is, is pretty slim. So Shepard should be all right to to maintain that seed, but it will be tough, you know, this week to do any damage in terms of moving up if they do have a chance to do so. But uh, we'll move on. We'll talk about the Mountaineers. Not at all the performance that I think either of us really expected, Colin. I thought WVU might lose the game, but I thought it would at least be close. And then, from a uh, you know your perspective, I think you thought WVU had a good chance to win. No, I I knew since it was going to be on the road that it was going to be tough, but I didn't think it was going to be that ugly of a loss. I don't know what is going on with this team. They can play great at home and seem like a true competitor, but as soon as you take them out of the Mountain State. They just decide to lay eggs. A 34-point loss is unacceptable. The the defense just wasn't there. I mean, 60 points, sometimes you can get away with that and squeak out a win. But at no point in this game did you think WVU really had a chance of winning. And it's just sad because you know how much of a win this would have helped. Or excuse me, how much this would have helped if it was a win. But now it's a loss, and now you're back on the bubble and needing to find statement wins on the road. And you don't have that many left. You got Baylor tonight, which I don't really expect the win because it's on the road. I don't think they're going to beat Kansas on the road. And then Iowa State, yeah, you dominated them, but that was at home. I don't know if we're going to see a road win for them. So if they now go 3-3 three and three in the final three games, your March Madness hopes probably goes down to the Big 12 tournament for them. And when you're the 7th, maybe 8th seed in the conference playing a top team, I don't like their chances. Yeah, I don't think they're in the tournament at all. I don't even think they're in the bubble right now. According to Joe Lenardi, he doesn't have them on the bubble, so... Uh, you know, this loss, with it not even being close, really doesn't help at all for WVU. I mean, you know, Texas is a two-seed right now, according to Lenardi. So, you know, how can you really justify them being in at this point or even in the conversation? And uh, it has been disappointing if you're a Mountaineer fan, I think, because they've shown some flashes of potential, got off to a great start in the non-conference, and, and I felt like WVU played a relatively challenging non-conference schedule. But when they've gotten into conference play – um, they just haven't performed at all. And unfortunately for them, while maybe they may be slightly better than some of these other teams that could get in from the ACC or, or whatever the case may be, they're not going to have any really good resume-building wins. And while those teams may have not played as tough of a schedule in conference, they still have you know wins over their conference opponents, which will help. And WV just doesn't have enough good wins against conference teams to really justify them even being on the bubble at this point. So uh, we'll see. I mean, obviously, if you're able to get some of these wins here down the stretch, you all of a sudden put yourself in the conversation, but you may have to rely on what would be a very improbable tournament run. 
uh, when we get into Big 12 tournament play, and, and we'll just have to wait and see. But it doesn't look good for the Mountaineers, and especially with how they lost to Texas. If they had lost, you know, a closer game, you could maybe see them pulling off an upset here and there down the stretch. But at this point, I think that looked like a, a season-defining loss to me. I agree. I mean, when you had 21 total turnovers in the game, and that's the total that you had in the past two games in which you were able to get wins, it's a head-scratcher. I don't know where this team is at mentally and even sometimes physically. It seems like there's some guys that just continue to get banged up in the game, maybe not playing 100% each and every night. And when it's coming down to conference play and you're playing two three times a week you need to be as healthy as possible in this team i i feel like just isn't so that's why season might be done after this and it hurts being a mountaineer fan a very good basketball school now that's the sport that you've really been looking to during the rebuild of football because having a hall of famer coach and bob huggins to really put all of your trust in for an athletic team to finally be a competitor in the nation and maybe even be a Sweet 16 team, and it hasn't been there the past few years. No, it has not been for the Mountaineers, but let's go ahead and wrap up this segment. As on the other side of this break, we'll talk about that big game that was played yesterday. Oh, the Super Bowl. Yes, we will talk about that. Everything from the Eagles collapsing to what this win means for Patrick Mahomes, the field conditions, other NFL news if we have time on the show. Yep, this segment brought to you by Orsini's Home Store, not just an appliance store anymore. Cabinets in design, bedding, outdoor living, family owned and operated. Visit them at 360 Hack Wilson Way in Martinsburg or go to Orsini's.com. You're tuned into the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Welcome you back to today's edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10, along with the Talk Radio or the TV 10 Facebook page. I'm Nick Verzellini on Simon Today, Kyle McLaughlin, along with Gerald Wright, our intern, as uh, we get into the Super Bowl. And we'll start by uh, giving a shout out to a local guy that was a part of the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, Nazi Johnson, who, uh, when he played at Marshall, always had on the roster that he was from Martinsburg, but he didn't go to high school in Martinsburg. He went to Millbrook High School, but I know his grandparents uh, live here in Martinsburg, so potentially he spent like a lot of time with them growing up, and maybe that's why he used it as his hometown, even though he went to Millbrook High School. But uh, Marshall alum, somewhat local player from high school, so definitely cool to see him winning a Super Bowl. Uh, but in terms of the game itself, Philadelphia has a nice lead at halftime. Looked like they were in control of the game throughout. And then all of a sudden, things just stopped working for them offensively, and the Chiefs just slowly but surely got back into the game, and the momentum completely flipped in Kansas City's favor, and the Chiefs obviously ended up pulling it out. It was a really entertaining Super Bowl, so I was was pretty happy with it. Yeah, we know Andy Reid, one of the best coaches in the NFL, a uh, future Hall of Famer and just the second half adjustments that it seemed like the Chiefs were able to make was really the difference uh, being able to score and 
every possession in the second half offensively and ultimately with the uh, game-winning field goal in the end after a uh, holding penalty that I know a lot of Philly fans still are unhappy with and will be unhappy with probably for the uh, next century, if not longer. But it was a great game to watch from a uh, neutral perspective. I thought both sides uh, played great, and obviously you have to have a winner, and it was just the Chiefs, and I think it did ultimately come down to experience in the end. Yeah, that seemed to be the case, and and the defining play really that I think gets overlooked slightly is that Kansas City won the turnover battle. The big turnover in the game was the fumble by Jalen Hurts on just kind of an awkward-looking First of all, I thought it was a weird play call that they went for because yeah. the sneak had just been working for them so well. Why mix it up at all? And then you do that, and Hertz just loses control of the ball. He was going to get stuffed anyway, but then he fumbles, and obviously the Chiefs take it back for a touchdown. That was really what changed uh, the flow, changed the momentum, because it, you know it's 14-7. You would have went into the halftime leading 24-7, to presuming that or maybe even by more. I mean, we don't know what happens after the fumble. Potentially, you throw a pick six or whatever. You know, it completely changes the game. So, uh, you know, I don't necessarily like to play the game of just take that score away and that's going to be the final. Uh, because as we know, you know, multiple plays can change multiple things in a football game. But um, that ended up being a big difference. And I think it kind of gets overlooked because of how well you know, Patrick Mahomes was able to play in that second half and how well the Chiefs defense executed in the second half and everything like that. But uh, that fumble, that touchdown, allowed Kansas City to stay in the game when it seemed like it was slipping away. Um, So that was a big mistake, and that has to maybe somewhat do with the experience. Other than that, I think Jalen Hurts played great. You know, 300 yards passing, three rushing touchdowns, one passing touchdown. He, He was the best player on the field in terms of overall performance but uh you know obviously his team didn't win the game so Mahomes gets the MVP there but exciting Super Bowl um and the holding call I'm I mean even the corner said it was a hold so if you want to debate it you can people say that it shouldn't be called in that situation but I think if a penalty occurs I don't care how necessarily I guess meaningful it might have been or or how bad or of a penalty it is if it was pretty obvious that he held juju right so to me i think it should have been called i know greg olson maybe started the controversy by saying that he didn't think it should be called but uh overall i think it was you know the right call there and a a good game gerald any thoughts on the super bowl i know you tuned in we talked a little bit about it earlier but just some plays or anything that stood out to you just jalen hurt stats um he threw for 300 yards. That's that's very good. Um, I really wanted the Eagles to win this game because I wanted to prove all y'all wrong because <laughs> everybody picked the Chiefs. And, um, you know, Jalen Hurts has been through so much from Oklahoma to Alabama, and I just wanted him to get a win. No, I like Jalen Hurts a lot. And, uh, you know, he makes the Eagles, who are typically a team that you don't root for just because of the Philly fans and just Philadelphia sports teams, I feel like kind of have a bad rap. So you either – love them or you or despise them but i think with jalen hurts he makes them kind of likable and uh he's a very likable guy i think but um it is you know disappointing for him and what was weird to me too colin i don't know if you caught the whole pregame or anything but 
everybody on the Fox pregame show picked the Eagles, which I was kind of surprised because I thought people would be picking the Chiefs because of the experience and the fact that Patrick Mahomes was playing. That surprised me. And also, looking back, uh, the Eagles didn't play a quarterback to Pat Mahomes' quality all season. So, it yeah. really, maybe their defense was a little bit overrated. I don't know. I, I wouldn't go that far, but it did surprise me as well that everybody on the pregame picked the Eagles because going into the Super Bowl, every article that you would find was saying that this is the most coin flip Super Bowl in yeah. a long time. It's a 50-50. I mean, we know it was a one-and-a-half point favorite uh the eagles going into the game and even then you don't like either side so you ultimately have to just go with your gut and i guess everybody's gut on the uh pregame was picking philadelphia and yeah hurts balled out i mean when he's the guy that leads your team in passing obviously being the quarterback but also rushing with 15 carries for 70 yards and three touchdowns which ties the record in the super bowl you got to be happy with that but you look at the other two guys that you typically rely on in the ground game we we got to see gainwell a little bit not really used to him but he was your second leading rusher but you look at the three-headed monster throughout the season right when it comes to the eagles hurts sanders scott Miles Sanders, seven carries, 16 yards. Boston Scott, three carries, eight yards. So when the defense on Kansas City's side is able to neutralize those two and it just came down to Hurts, that really made a difference. And he played great, but when it's a team effort to win the Super Bowl, Kansas City had that, Philly didn't. Yeah, Miles Sanders seemed like he was just not in the game very much. And it started with, I think... I don't know if he necessarily technically fumbled. He might have already been out of bounds. But on the first carry, he fumbled the ball, yeah. lost control of the ball out of bounds. And we didn't see him on the field for like most of the first half. And really throughout the entire game, he never got into any sort of rhythm. So not having him is really a factor, I think, really played a big role in this game. Now, Hertz looked like he was fully healthy. Uh, which was good to see. He was able to throw the ball down the field. That I know was some people's questions. You know, could he still throw it down the field due to that injury he had suffered in the regular season? But it looked like he was fine. Uh, but overall, you know, just I think the Eagles will look back and see those little mistakes that they made, and that was really the big difference. And that's typically how football is. It's a very simple game, and really, when you break it down, it comes down to just a few plays here and there where you could have executed a little bit better. But the field was in terrible shape for some reason for the yeah, Super Bowl. Everybody was slipping. Yeah, and that was somewhat a factor. Just wanted to hit on that. I don't understand how the field that you're preparing for the Super Bowl isn't in the best condition of all the fields in the NFL. But thoughts, but because uh, they roll it in. That is one of the weirder things that you'll find if you look into it. Yeah. At Arizona, is they roll the field in and out of the dome so that during the day. It can get sunlight just so that the grass can grow because you got to remember they're in the middle of the desert. Yeah. So it's tough playing down there, but when they have a dome, they get a Super Bowl. It's as simple as that. So and good weather and so they didn't even weather, have the yeah. dome closed. They had it open last night. But quick oh, question. Um, I got a question for y'all. Do y'all after Patrick Mahomes winning this Super Bowl, do y'all put him in GOAT category? Well, Gerald, look at you. He's getting you there. didn't even make the topics today, but that was going to be our next question. Nice. nice. Essentially, because I, I wrote, what does this do for Mahomes' legacy? Mm-hmm. So, I think 
he's not there yet because of Brady's seven rings. I don't mm-hmm. think we'll ever see somebody get seven rings. So then how many do you does he need to be in that conversation, right? Because I think talent-wise, he has more than Brady has. But Brady never necessarily had the most talent. He was just always the most prepared mm-hmm. and knew how to read the defenses and, and was just a winner. He was in a great situation with Bill Belichick and such. That's the other thing. Andy Reid, at some point, is going to retire, I think, in Mahomes' career, even though that may be very hard for him to do. He's aging. He's over 60. Um, so I don't know how many more years he's going to be coaching. Uh, which could play a little bit of a factor in the Chiefs' success and Mahomes' success. But when it comes to just the ability to do the things that Mahomes does, Brady doesn't have that scrambling ability. He doesn't have quite the arm that Patrick Mahomes has. So from a talent perspective, Mahomes might already be the most talented. Uh, But from a GOAT perspective, when you're talking GOAT, greatest of all time, I really think it comes down to rings and, and championship success. I would say if he gets to four, I think that's good enough where I would I would say he's the GOAT, hmm. um, even if he doesn't win again after that. Because, I mean, Brady went to ten. He won seven. I don't know if we'll ever see that again in that longevity as well. Yeah, All plays a big factor. But from talent, he might already be the most talented quarterback to play the game. And I would have said that even if he didn't win this game. Yeah, yeah I think uh, we, we kind of mentioned it on Friday. If he won this game and got the MVP – He's a for sure right. Hall of Famer. I, I think that truly solidified his well, spot. Well, only two other guys have done that. In, in six seasons already yeah. in, in his career, he's now two-time MVP, two-time Super Bowl winner, and two-time Super Bowl MVP. That joins Montana and Brady. Yeah, so he he's a Hall of Famer now, and we get to see him for, what, 15 more years maybe? He, he's only 27 years old right well, now, so how much longer do you think Ravens Mahomes fan, has? I don't know if I want to say hopefully, <laughs> but I, I mean, I love watching him play either way. So, so He was also playing on injury. Exactly. Yeah. His ankle and, and he's he, still he able to win. It. And he re-injured it in the game. you mm-hmm. got to remember that. Even though it wasn't much, you could tell it clearly pained him to be out there, and he was still able to scramble for 44 yards. That's like a flu game type moment, like. That's a very special moment. If anybody knows about Michael Jordan's flu game, I'm sure everybody knows. Yeah, unless you're not a sports was it the fan, flu which game if you're or not was a sports it the pizza fan, game? You're probably not watching the show. Was it the bad pizza game? Sure, some people think it's the bad pizza game. That's what he claims it was, right? Isn't that what uh, he said in the? I don't remember what the last dance said. Last I know he had gotten it was some a bad, bad pizza, pizza or something. but we always yeah. say it's the flu game just because right. it sounds better. Yeah, so. than the food sickness, food poisoning game, food poisoning. I don't know why I said sickness, but. <laughs> Uh, let's take another break, Colin. On the other side of this break, we might talk about this NFL news because I think it's a little bit more intriguing than what's going on with the Washington hockey and basketball teams, regular season games. But uh, we'll see here on the other side of this break. But looking forward to more of the sports mix where we will talk Derek Carr becoming a free agent and the Jets are targeting another Packers veteran quarterback. Yep, this segment brought to you by Parsons, Ford, and Martinsburg. They became number one by making you number one first. Go to Ford.com for more. You know who won't be back in black? That's Derek Carr. We'll get into him in just a few seconds as this... Uh, segment of the program brought to you by the Mirius Group of Ameriprise Financial Advisors, John Everson and Phil McCoy. 
They're located at 1270 Winchester Avenue in Martinsburg. Give them a call at 304-263-4343. Nick Verzellini alongside me. Kyle McLaughlin here on today's edition of the Sports Mix, along with Gerald Wright, our intern. We'll talk a little bit about Derek Carr. So he met with the Saints last week, and there's a two-day meeting, so it sounded like, you know, he was going to the Saints, but it appears that he doesn't want to go there. He didn't want to waive his no-trade clause, and he wants to become a free agent, which, looking at it, and initially my thought was, the Saints have some decent weapons. They got Kamara, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave. Maybe this would be a good place. But then I thought about it a little bit more, and I was like, well, Thomas hasn't been healthy. Their offensive line isn't very good in New Orleans. Their defense is somewhat questionable. Would it really be any better than what he's doing dealing with in Vegas right now? And I don't, I don't think it would be. So he's going to become a free agent, uh, which would, I mean, make him the top quarterback available via free agency that we know of unless Lamar Jackson were to become a free agent. Yeah, and we know that he also, if he wanted to, as a free agent, could still go to the Saints. Maybe it was just an issue with the trade that he didn't like his contract that was left and wanted maybe more money from the Saints when it comes to free agency. So you never know what the situation truly is until it's over. Yeah, it should be interesting to see where Derek Carr ends up. I think he could get a team to the playoffs at the very least. I mean, the Jets are targeting Aaron Rodgers. If they're actually going to trade him, we'll have to wait and see. That would be history repeating itself, Colin. It would be, and I don't think it's going to happen. I think it will. All right. Well, I want to see it. Tonight on Talk Radio WRNR TV 10 and WRNR TV on, in Martinsburg, it is uh, the Musselman Appleman against the Martinsburg Bulldogs boys basketball. And then after that on the radio side, WVU against Baylor. This is WRNR Martinsburg. Have a great rest of your day. This is the Sports Mix.